what's going on everyone today is tuesday september 12th welcome to tech talk on the leo podcast where we explore the world of technology and innovation i'm your host kevin munoz and in these episodes we dive deep into the latest trends and advancements in the tech industry here are the four stories that you should know about in the tech world today for our first story could new york city's new law mean the end for Airbnb. Our second story, OpenAI admits all writing detectors are flawed. Our third story, scientists have grown an entity that closely resembles an early human embryo without using sperm, eggs, or a womb. And for our fourth and final story, a Japanese city is installing robots in classrooms so kids who are worried about attending school can tune in remotely. But before we begin, if you'd like to support the ongoing production of these episodes and gain early access to episodes and bonus content, then head on over to our patreon.com slash latinoamericaneo and become part of our Palomitas community. But if you're not a patron yet, no worries. You can still enjoy this episode. It's packed with great content. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's four stories. For our first story, we've got some news hot off the press about Airbnb in the Big Apple. So you know those cool Airbnb rentals that you've enjoyed staying in during your trips to New York City? Well, it looks like they might be disappearing from the platform real soon. New York City recently put in effect a law known as Local Law 18. Now this law is super strict and doesn't just put some limitations on how Airbnb operates in the city. It's like a big red stop sign for many hosts and guests. Here's the deal, from now on, All short-term rental hosts in New York must register with the city. Plus, only those who actually live in the place that they're renting out and are physically present while guests are there can actually qualify. Oh, and you can only have a maximum of two guests. So this means that no more sleek downtown apartments for bachelorette parties, cozy family stays near museums, or even folks renting out their homes when they're away for the weekend. It's not just Airbnb though, other platforms like VRBO are affected too. These rules are so tight that Airbnb is calling it a de facto ban on its business in New York City. Now, there are good reasons for these rules. Short-term rentals can sometimes bring noise, trash, and safety concerns to neighborhoods, and they can even drive up local rents, making it harder for residents to find affordable housing. Some landlords in New York City have been renting out hundreds of apartments on Airbnb, And that's just not sustainable for a city with a housing shortage. You see, New York City is not alone in trying to tackle this issue. Other places like Dallas, Quebec, Memphis, and San Francisco have also taken their own approaches to regulating short-term rentals. Some cities even limit how often you can rent out your place while others require licenses. Airbnb tried to fight back by suing New York City, but the courts didn't buy it and the restrictions are here to stay. Airbnb hosts are also trying to change the law by talking to city officials, but it's really just an uphill battle. So what did this mean for you as a traveler? Well, if you were planning to snag an Airbnb in New York City, it might get a lot harder. There are currently over 40,000 Airbnbs in the city, but these new rules could drastically reduce that number. It might also lead to more affordable housing options for local residents, 
which is actually a good thing in a city where rent can be sky high. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. Some folks feel that these rules are too broad and unfairly affect small-time hosts who just want to make a little extra cash. They're hoping for some changes to the law to protect folks like Marginette Moore Roberts, who rents out a spare apartment in her Brooklyn home. She's not against the rules entirely, but she does think that they need more nuance. Airbnb has started canceling and refunding reservations in unregistered accommodations, but any bookings made before December 1st are still good. Guests won't be penalized, but hosts and platforms could face issues. However, there are still some listings on Airbnb that shouldn't be there based on these rules, and it is a bit unclear why they're still up. So while Airbnb is facing some bumps in the road in New York City, it's still growing overall. The company made a cool $2.5 billion in the second quarter of 2023, with more and more people booking stays and experiences through the platform. And so the takeaway from this story is that New York City has implemented strict regulations on short-term rentals, particularly affecting platforms like Airbnb. These rules aim to address concerns about noise, safety, and the impact on housing availability in the city. As a result, Many Airbnb listings may disappear, making it harder for travelers to find affordable and unique accommodations in New York City. However, the regulations also aim to protect local residents from being priced out of their own neighborhoods due to short-term rentals. Some people feel that these rules are too broad and unfairly impact small-time hosts, and they hope for more nuanced changes to the law. Overall, the story highlights the ongoing tension between the sharing economy and urban regulations, with cities worldwide exploring different approaches to control short-term rentals while Airbnb continues to thrive as a global platform. For our second story, let's dive into the world of AI writing detectors. OpenAI has spilled the beans on something important. These detectors, which are supposed to tell if something's written by human or AI, just don't cut it. In a recent blog post aimed at educators, OpenAI talked about how teachers are using ChatGPT in the classrooms. But here's the kicker. They admitted that AI writing detectors don't work. Yep, that's right. They don't reliably tell the difference between AI-generated content and good old human writing. The reality is that AI writing detectors like GPT-0 are a bit like snake oil. They often mess up, giving false alarms because they rely on not-so-great detection metrics. So, you see, there's nothing super special about AI-written text that always sets it apart from human writing. And if you just rephrase things a bit, these detectors can be fooled. OpenAI even tried its own AI classifier, but it performed miserably with just a 26% accuracy rate. So, of course, they ditched it. But wait, there's more. OpenAI cleared up another misconception. ChatGPT itself can't magically tell if something's AI written or not. It's not some text identifying wizard. In fact, it might even make up stuff when asked if it wrote something or if a piece could be AI generated. These responses are basically random. OpenAI also reminded us that ChatGPT can sometimes give you flat out wrong info. It's like a magician pulling tricks out of its virtual hat but they might be entirely false. So relying solely on it for research 
Mm, it's probably not the best idea. There was even a lawyer who got into hot water for citing six fake cases that he got from ChatGPT. Ouch. Now here's the deal. While AI detectors don't do the job, humans can often spot AI writing. Teachers who know a student's writing style, like the back of their hand, can usually tell when something's fishy. Plus, some folks are just plain sloppy when trying to pass off AI work as their own. They leave behind clues like the phrases, as an AI language model, which screams, hey, I copied this from ChatGPT. In a recent article in the science journal Nature, some eagle-eyed humans spotted the phrase regenerate response in a scientific paper, which is basically the label of a button in ChatGPT. So the takeaway from this story is that AI writing detectors, which are designed to distinguish between AI-generated and human-generated content, are unreliable and often produce false results. OpenAI officially acknowledged the limitations of these detectors, highlighting that they cannot reliably differentiate between AI and human writing. Now, despite the hype surrounding AI writing detectors, they have been criticized for their high rate of false positives and their inability to consistently identify AI-generated texts. OpenAI's own AI classifier performed poorly with only a 26% accuracy rate, leading to its discontinuation. OpenAI also clarified that AI models like ChatGPT do not possess the ability to determine whether text is AI-generated or not and may even provide random responses when asked about it. While automated AI detection tools fall short, humans, especially those familiar with a writer's style, can often spot AI-generated content or sloppy attempts to pass it off as human-written. Therefore, the conclusion is that, as of now, automated AI detection tools should be used cautiously as AI-generated writing remains difficult to detect reliably. For our third story, get ready for some groundbreaking science news. Scientists have just pulled off something amazing. They've grown a human embryo model without using sperm, eggs, or a womb. Yes, you heard that right. The team at the Wiseman Institute used stem cells to create what they call an embryo model. This little wonder looks just like a textbook example of a 14-day-old human embryo. And the coolest part, it even released hormones that made a pregnancy test turn positive in the lab. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, those first few weeks after sperm meets an egg are a time of massive change, but we don't really understand it all that well. It's like a mysterious black box of development. Embryo research is a tricky business, legally and ethically, but this Israeli team is diving in. They've created what they call the first complete embryo model, mimicking all the crucial structures that form in those early days. Instead of using sperm and egg, they started with some versatile stem cells. Then they used some chemicals to coax these cells into becoming four different types found in early human embryo. We're talking about cells that eventually become the actual embryo or fetus, the placenta, the supportive yolk sac, and a special type called extra embryonic mesoderm cells. They mixed these cells in a precise ratio and watched the magic happen. About 1% of the mix decided to spontaneously assemble themselves into a structure that closely resembles a human embryo. It's pretty mind-blowing stuff. These embryo models 
were allowed to grow until they reached the equivalent of 14-day-old embryo, which is the legal limit for embryo research in many countries. The hope is that these models will help scientists unlock the secrets of early development, like how different cell types emerge, how our organs start forming, and what goes wrong in miscarriages or birth defects. It might even lead to improvements in vitro fertilization success rates and help us understand the safety of medicines during pregnancy. But here's the catch. The current success rate is just 1%, so there's still a long way to go, and it opens a whole bunch of ethical questions. How far can we take these models? Are they the same as real embryos? Should they be regulated in the same way? Despite these challenges, this research is a big leap forward in understanding the early stages of human life. It's like peeking inside the black box of development and discovering some of its secrets. So there you have it folks, science doing its thing and unraveling the mysteries of life. And so the key takeaway from this story is that scientists have successfully created a model of a human embryo using stem cells without the need for sperm, eggs, or a womb. This remarkable achievement allows researchers to study the early stages of human development in a controlled and ethical manner. The embryo model closely resembles a 14-day-old human embryo and has the potential to provide valuable insights into the process and structures that form during this critical period. And while this breakthrough is promising, it also raises important ethical questions about how far such research can go and how these models should be regulated. So in summary, this development represents a significant step forward in our understanding of early human development and has the potential to impact fields such as reproductive medicine and embryology. For our fourth and final story, officials in a city called Kumamoto have come up with a unique idea to help students who are worried about attending school. They are bringing robots into the classroom. These self-propelling robots are about a meter high and are equipped with microphones and cameras, allowing two-way communication. The robots will connect with students who are learning from home creating a bridge between home-based learning and traditional classroom discussions. These futuristic machines can move freely around the school, attend events, and actively participate in the classroom environment. The goal here is to make home-based students feel more included and less anxious about attending school in person. Now, you might be wondering why they're doing this. Well, Japan has been grappling with an increase in the number of students who skip school, and the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't helped that matter. Truancy rates hit record levels in 2021, so officials are looking for creative ways to address the issue. The robots aren't just about watching classes. They also give students the freedom to move around and interact with others, reducing the mental barriers for those who have been missing school. Interestingly, this isn't the first time we've seen robots in schools. In the US, some schools have introduced robots for various purposes like campus security. There's even a 400-pound robot being tested in a school district in New Mexico, although it's not armed. The use of AI technology in education is a hot topic worldwide, with schools trying to adapt to these new tools while also navigating the challenges and debates that they bring. So the key takeaway from this story is that officials in Kumamoto, Japan, 
are implementing a unique approach to address truancy and boost the confidence of students who are anxious about attending school. They plan to introduce self-propelling robots in classrooms equipped with microphones and cameras for two-way communication. These same robots aim to connect with students who are learning from home, allowing them to participate in class discussions and feel more included. The initiative is a response to the rising truancy rates in Japan, which have been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. This use of technology in education reflects efforts to adapt to changing circumstances and provide support to students facing attendance challenges. And to end this episode, let's summarize all four key takeaways from four stories. For our first story, New York City has implemented strict regulations on short-term rentals like Airbnb, affecting housing availability and raising concerns about fairness and affordability. For our second story, AI writing detectors are unreliable with OpenAI acknowledging their limitations in distinguishing AI-generated content from human-generated content. For our third story, scientists have successfully created a human embryo model using stem cells, offering insights into early development while raising ethical questions. And for our fourth and final story, officials in Kumamoto, Japan are using self-propelling robots in classrooms to address truancy and provide support to students, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, reflecting efforts to adapt to changing educational needs. And that's all for today on the Leo podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you did, please leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And as always, feel free to send me a voicemail through my website, latinamericaneo.org by simply clicking the purple send voicemail pop-up and just start recording your thoughts or any interesting topic that you'd like to see covered and I might just feature it on the next episode. And for those of you on Patreon, I'll see you there. Otherwise, I'll see you all in next week's episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a family or a friend and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps tremendously in order to bring more awareness and educational resources to our community. For more information and to stay up to date with what I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram at Latinamericaneo. And if you need more information and resources, you can visit my website, latinamericaneo.org. I'm Kevin Munoz. This has been the Leo Podcast, and I'll see you next time.